Podcast. My name is Neil Mackay and I'm your host. This is season six. Don't forget you can go back through the whole catalogue and find all five seasons of 7 Million Bikes. Make sure you subscribe and turn on the notifications. Follow 7 Million Bikes on Facebook. Go on there and give it a like. We're also on Instagram. If you do enjoy this content, then please go on the link in the notes for patreon.com and you can become a member of a Vietnam podcast and you get some cool benefits like free tickets. You'll get early bonus content as well. If you just want to buy me a coffee, there's also a link in the show notes. You can send me a coffee as well. So thank you very much to the previous people that sent me coffees. They were very much enjoyed. So very, very much appreciated. Season six is sponsored by our good friends over at Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. If you are in Saigon, then make sure you go check them out. Tell them that 7 Million Bikes sent you. They got two locations now, one in D2 and one in District 1. And at the moment, they also have a pop-up diner in the Takashimaya Center in Saigon Center, which is only there until June 7th. So make sure you go and check it out because it may be the world's smallest diner. So make sure you go down there and check it out before June 7th. If you've seen the show Riverdale on Netflix, you'll know exactly what Eddie's is like. It's a slice of home comfort no matter where you're from in the world. Make sure you check out Eddie's New York Deli and Diner in D1, D2 and the Takashimaya Mall until June 7th. So enjoy 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. My guest today is a singer, a vocal coach, a director and a cheap therapist, she says. And she is French, French-Canadian, which we will explain. So my guest today is Anne-Sophie Hoffman. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. So you're French, French-Canadian. What does that mean? So I was born in France, in, not in Paris, because I know everybody hates Parisian, but I was born in the suburbs. And, uh, and I'm a nice French person, not one of the others. And uh, I lived there till I was 17 years old. And then I moved to Montreal, Quebec, Canada, to study musical in a very, uh, very good singing musical uh, school. Like I was watching Fame, you know, the, the, the sitcom, the series on TV when I was young. And I was like, oh, I want to do Fame one day. So I did fame. I mean, the, the name of the school was Prochamp, but it was like a fame school in Montreal. And then um, I was going there for one year. My parents told me, okay, you have one joker, joker, joker year and uh, do whatever you want to do. Don't take drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't know I, I, I was going to stay forever. And, uh, and doing a lot of drugs. And do a lot of drugs. <laughs> I'm a singer. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Drugs are bad. And uh, yes, and then we, we left Montreal with my husband, but I met my husband way later than that, uh, two years and a half ago to come here. So actually, yeah, half of my, the first half of my life was in France and second half in Montreal. And the third half? I'm not sure I'm going to do as long. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yet. For the moment, if COVID is still here for 10 years, yeah, maybe I will stay over than 10 years in yeah. Vietnam. We don't know. Now you said uh, you're a nice French person and you had to put a disclaimer that you're not from Paris. So do people, I find that people in France, okay, let me try and put this the best way I can. It's easy to make fun of French people. I think I have a joke that makes fun of French people. And the joke is normally that nobody likes them. 
which I think is not true because I've never met a French person that I didn't like and I've met some really, really cool French people. So I never really know where that stereotype comes from of like French people being whatever the stereotype is. I don't want to say it. But then you also meet French people and they're super like, you know, they're, what's the word? Like self-deprecating, like they, like you're like, oh, I'm not from Paris. I'm a nice French person. What is that? Where does that come from? It comes from Montreal, I guess, because when I arrived in Montreal in 2002, I was kind of exotic. There was no so French people in Montreal, in Quebec. And then 2006, 8, 10, financial crisis uh, and immigration facilities like PVT is like a permit, holiday and work. So you can come with this PVT, PV, I don't know in English, uh, permit. And for nine months, then they extended it for 12 months. So many, many, many French came. And they ruined everything because they came with their arrogance. And yeah, but you know, uh, in Paris, we do this and that. But okay, I go back to fucking Paris. I mean, and, and that's what I was thinking because I was there for very long time, but that was also the feeling of the Quebecers. They made the market, financial market go much higher. So the rent was much higher. The food in the groceries were much more expensive. So actually, and and they they were trying to Frenchish eyes, a lot of things. So it was good because we were able to find new products we didn't have before, um, but also they they complete, completely change uh, a district. Not a, it's not a district there, but uh, it's a, a neighborhood, and they call it now the Little Friends. And and it's not really, for example, when I'm even just before leaving, people they didn't know I was there for almost twenty years, and when they were asking where do you live, I said the plateau. And it's the neighborhood. And they say, oh, of course, the plateau. Oh, let me guess, you live on the plateau. And it was really bad for them. So I was like, no, I'm a good French. I'm Canadian, actually. I can vote. So, okay, don't put me in the same basket. But, uh, yeah, I think even there, they they like French, but it's always the same. When you have immigrants or foreigners coming to your country, you're like, hey, you're going to take my job go away. And, and, and people in marketing company, and I cannot say in, in the artistic world, it's not true, but in marketing company, they really like to hire French people because I guess it's just a different way to think. Uh, so yeah, in a way they were stealing between quotation marks, the, the jobs. It's a bit the same here. Uh, we, yeah, here, I heard it a lot. Like, you're here to, to steal our jobs. And I'm like, I think I'm really different. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't have the same offers, but okay, I understand the feeling. So that's why I say um, I'm French, but I'm not that French. <laughs> With the caveat. Well, we talked about it on the last season, and I think it was Eric Garcia coined the, the term that we should call Taudien in Saigon little friends. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And when we arrive with my husband, uh, is the same. He's French from, from Nice, the south of France. And we met in Canada. 
in 2012, 13. So we Was lived... that because you were out with a sign saying, I'm not Canadian, I'm French? <laughs> I have my French humor, but I don't have the arrogance. And I have all the French <laughs> references. Yeah, they're arrogant. My brother is a really fucking wrong? arrogant, yes. This is what I think, this is what the point I'm making is, it seems that everyone hates French people and then even French people hate French people. Yeah, yeah. And we don't have, I mean, I have two friends here, <laughs> okay? One French, one Quebecers. And the guy from Quebec is pretty Frenchy, actually, I have to say. Uh, I like being with French till a certain point. And it depends how long the French have been living in, in, the, in this country they're living now. Uh, the French in Taudin, I think, if they're here for 20, even 10, 12, 15, 20 years, they saw, they built it. They, not designed, but they, I mean, people understood what they wanted, what were the needs. So that's why Tarodin is so Frenchy, so friendly and welcoming for foreigners, especially French. On the restaurants, almost, I mean, I think maybe more than 50% of the owners of the restaurant are French. Uh, I know that because when I'm contacting a restaurant to, do you need a singer? Da, 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 a French person will call me back. So for me, it's good sometimes because between French, it's... You know, are you French? I'm going to help you. And are you French? I don't like you. There is, but we like this in France. It's, it's a bit weird to understand how we are. It's, we can be super friendly. And if we, we are in a bad mood, we can be really, really bad. And, and I think the French, what, something I learned in, in Quebec was saying, I'm sorry, it's not for me. Uh, I need time for myself. Or, you know what? Let me think about it. So Canada gave me this, um, not detachment, but this time to, I'm going to say it again. I learned how to say, it's not good for me. Uh, let me think about it. Instead of saying, yes, of course I can do it. I don't want to do it. I don't fucking want to do it. Da, 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 and be super mad about it. In France, you, you, maybe it was just me, but I, I couldn't say no because you don't want to be rude or impolite. And you're going to say, yes, I'm going to come to your, your party. Of course I'm going to come. And you don't want to go, but you don't want to, you don't want to uh, be rude and you don't want your friends to be offended. So you go, but you don't want to go. And before going, you're like, oh, I don't like her. And she's like this. And da-da-da. And da-da-da. Hey, hello. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. So I think we're a bit... So two-faced. Yeah. I think we're a bit hypocrite. Hypocrite. Hypocritical. Yeah. And that's the thing we're not that much in Quebec. Because in Quebec, if we don't want... And even if it's five minutes before the party, you will text or you will call you and say, you know what? I'm a bit under the weather today. Let, let me buy your lunch this week. I, I, I think I prefer to see you in a, you know, in intimacy than... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's why. Sometimes it's just a bit overwhelming to hang, hang out in Taudin because everything you hear is French accent and, and you're like, you cannot have a conversation because you, you are listening to what they're saying and uh, it just... I didn't know there would be so much French people here. 
See, I don't notice it so much, prop- obviously, because I don't speak French. So when people do talk about oh, Taudian's little France, or like you're saying, 50% of the businesses are owned by French, like I don't see that because I'm not French. So to me, I just, I, I walk about my head in the clouds half the time, I think. I wish I could, but I understand what they say. Sometimes I really disagree. And sometimes <laughs> I just want to bitch. <laughs> because if I understand them, it's because I'm out with my husband, my friend Marion, she's French, or Eric is Canadian, Quebecers. So because I don't go out by myself. And I, I always go out with this free person. Sometimes my friend Anaïs, she's also French. And, and that's it. So I'm going to bitch <laughs> because it's really close people to me. But then you also know that then people are listening to your conversation. Yeah, but I can speak like this. <laughs> <laughs> you're speaking quietly so no one can understand you. I love that French people shitting on French people. There's people listening to this being like, yes, yes. I See, but I said in the beginning, like, I've never met a French person I don't like, but I don't understand these cultural nuances. So I don't see all of this two-facedness or bitchiness or, or whatever. But yeah, to me, I'm, I do make a joke about French people, though, that it's one of my favorite jokes that always gets a big laugh. And, and the joke goes that, because you know, I'm from Scotland and we love to make fun of people in Scotland. And the more you make fun of people, it means you like them. So the <laughs> more you make fun of them, the more you like them. And that's why I will never, ever make fun of French people. <laughs> uh, and in France, okay, <laughs> people will def- defend themselves saying, if I said that it's because I like you, it's a joke. Come on, take it. But... Uh, yeah, I think we're a bit the master of irony and sarcasm in France. And I learned when I was in Canada, we call Canada, um, attends, in France, we say bisounours. And in Canada, we say bears, you know, the little bears, the colorful bears, um, teddy bears, candy bears, you know, the, the, the thing on TV with the collar, you don't know. Oh shoot! Maybe oh, like the the care bear. The care bear. Care bear. We call them the care bears. The you call ca- Canadians the care bears. The Quebecers. Oh, the Canadian. I, I don't really know because yeah. I've been in Quebec, so um, it's not the same, right? I I couldn't say. Uh, they say it's not the same, but I, I uh, no 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 no. I don't want to go in that pool. <laughs> I don't know them enough. Uh, so in France. People are not care bears and bisounours. And they make fun of people who are a bit bisounours or care bears. And so we use a lot of irony and sarcasm to make fun of people, but not make fun in a good way, really make fun and to be, to be bitchy and to hurt them. And then they're going to say, oh, you cannot take a joke. And I learned, and I used to do it a lot because I was super bullied at school and at home. So my... Uh, the way I was defending myself was, okay, I can answer you, you know? So I was super ironical and sarcastic when I was a teenager. And, and I was just hitting as strong as I was hit, hit it. Yeah. And, and I just learned to not do that in Quebec because I realized it was not something good to do to people you like. And it's not funny. It's just hurtful. And so I think, I clearly think I became a better person in Quebec, but I was a teenager when I left. I was just 17 years old. So, you know, I don't know what I would have become in France, 
But yes, in Canada, I think I, I clearly became a good person. I completely agree with what you're saying because, all right, so the joke I made there in Scotland, the more we make fun of you, I agree though. So in Scotland, it is very similar as well. And in the UK that, you know, I, I used to go to football matches when I was younger. I grew up with like men drinking beer and going to football and things like this. And they all kind of, you know, make fun of each other. And yeah, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, like it is hurtful and it is mean. And I, I actually didn't enjoy that side of things. So even though I use it in the joke, Personally, I don't enjoy that kind of like, I'm going to say something mean, but I'm joking, you know, because I, I'm the same as you. I was bullied as well. And so I find that like really hurtful. And then I moved to America. So I moved to North America. And similar thing, I, I learned to kind of stop doing that because it's um because it's mean, right? And like, they don't really do that in America. Like you, you're, you don't like say mean things to your friends. I met one American, I remember we talked about this and they said, no, 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 we do. But I don't think... I don't think they do so much. I think it's less less in America. I think it's more if you like said something mean to your friend, they'd be like, "Whoa, what did that? That was a bit uncalled for." You know what I mean? So, I've learned to not do that. And even so, my wife is American. I'm laughing because um, she comes up in every episode and she she listens to every episode and she's getting sick of being mentioned. So sorry, Adri, but you're brought up again. You're a big part of my life, so I'm obviously going to have to bring you up. But she's American, and when we first met. I would do that. I would like say things like to make fun of her, like teasing, not being meaning it in a bad way or being mean. But I had to, she really didn't appreciate that. She didn't like that. And I had to learn to not do that because I'd be like, yeah, I mean, okay, so you don't like that. I won't do it. But I sometimes will fall into it. And I do when I'm with British people. So over the the lockdown last year, (laughs) if my friend Peter and Jill are listening, um, he's in the, the Scottish orchestra. And he had to do this, um, like, video during the lockdown, the, the, one of the many lockdowns, or the first one in the UK. And it was, like, for children or something like that, and some words of encouragement, and he's in his tuxedo because he's in the, the the orchestra and stuff like that. And so I immediately sent him, like, this really mean poem. <laughs> like, And my wife was like, you can't send that? That's horrible. And I was like, no, no, this it's hilarious. And I sent it, and him and his wife messaged back. It's in a group chat, and they were like, we are laughing so hard right now. This is the funniest thing we've heard in ages. We've already shared it with half the orchestra and stuff like that. So it does, you know, that to me showed the difference that my wife is like, that's so mean, don't send that. And I knew it would be appreciated because it was, they were my best friends, so it was sent with like love, you know? And it, So you can do that kind of stuff. But it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, I think, between, I guess there's a fine line between being bullying, being rude, and being funny? It's control also, I think. Uh, And bullying is pretty new. Um, Yeah, it's pretty new. And I I have the feeling, and I know a lot of comedians have the same feeling anyway, we cannot say anything anymore. We cannot make fun of the thing we used to make fun, and I'm not even, I'm I'm not going to give example, because we can't. (laughs) And I completely understand, and most most of the time when I when I try to be more educated on, on certain question or society um, issues, or pro- I mean, when I try to understand why they feel attacked, the, the, those person who call themselves bully or ta ta ta, I clearly understand and I can relate. And that it's just that at my time in the nineties when I was a teenager, 
this word didn't exist at all. And it was normal to be a bit, uh, not harassed, but a bit, a bit, a bit beaten at school verbally. Mm. Um, and it was, oh, you have two big brother. It's normal. I mean, that's what they do to the little sister and da, da, da. No, it's not fucking normal. I mean, I'm completely, uh, no, no, I'm completely fucked up now. <laughs> but, but that's it. And uh, yes, it's control, of course. Uh, some people in Quebec, they can handle and, and they can handle and, and practice irony and sarcasm, but it's pretty rare, I have to say. So you moved to Quebec to study music. And then, so now you're a, a performer, you're a teacher, you're a director as well. So tell us more about how then your career has progressed and how was it? You moved to Quebec when you were 17. That's difficult when you're that young. Yes, as I said before, it was a joker year and I wanted to be the next Celine Dion. And it was already too late because she started when she was 12. So I was already past the due date. But uh, I studied in that great school and uh, really quick uh, I became, I worked in that school at the beginning at the office, you know, answering the phone, da, da, da. And then I've spent 13 years in this school uh, working and becoming uh, a vocal teacher and then a director and a choreographer and, a, and then the producer of the, all the events and etc. And also I had like a parenthesis in this 13 years because I had my singer career. I recorded an album when I was 22, 23 years old. And I toured a little bit in Quebec with that album and my band. And unfortunately, it was at the beginning of Star Academy. So Star Academy is like, is the ancestor of The Voice and, uh, and X Factor. It was, um, and then on the, 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 the producing uh, music uh, company were all signing with Star Academy artists. So I really tried to have a career in, in, in those years where there was no room for, how to say? Talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was room for talent because they were super talented, but no room for people that didn't go on TV. Because you don't sell. When they don't know you, you don't have a name and that. And then, and then I also realized that at some point they didn't really want to hire for music or French over Quebecers or Canadian because of what are they going to say and that, that, and that, that, that. So it was a bit, I learned so much and I had, I had a good career with what I was able to do. Uh, I didn't have a manager. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a, um, a disc uh, company. I did everything by myself. And then I went on tour with the uh, Cavalier, which is a like Cirque du Soleil style show with the uh, horses. And I did uh, many cities all over United States. And I thought my career would be like, okay, I'm going to come back in Montreal and everybody will know that, oh my God, she did Cavalier. It's a huge show. It's like Cirque du Soleil. And actually not at all. So I went back to Canada. I was like, oh, and I went back to Canada after US tour. Star Academy was over, but the voice started. I was like, and I don't like this kind of shows. Uh, I I don't like it because it takes 
all, a lot of my friends did the audition, made it uh, through, made it through all the steps and were on TV. All of them were on depression after that. All of them. And I knew I didn't have the shoulders to handle the, the pressure, not the pressure of being on stage, no problem with that, but the storytelling you have to keep, the, the face you have to keep and the, the, yeah, you have to play the violin to the audience. Yeah, and you it's have always to, the same with these shows, even... Even some of the like cooking shows or whatever you eat, like MasterChef, they always have to. You always have to have a story, right? It's like, oh, my grandmother's dying of cancer. I know it's really horrible. I shouldn't joke about that, but they always have some sob story. And I, I'm like, I'm not like a cynical person, but I'm also at the same time. I'm like, everyone has problems. Everyone has a story. There's no one I know that couldn't come on TV and share something horrible in their life. And it's so formulaic and it's always the same. The music starts, do, 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 do. And it's them looking into the distance, explaining about how their younger sister has some disease and things like this. And yeah, always pulling at the heartstrings. And it doesn't even matter just if it's a, a music show. It's almost any like reality TV show. But it's, um, you've made me realize like we've lived through a huge generational shift that you sometimes forget about. I always think when I talk sometimes with people, it's like, well, I've, we've grown up with the invention of the internet, we're one of the last generations that grew up without the internet, mobile phones, smartphones, home computers. Add to the list, bloody talent shows as well, because when we were growing up, they didn't exist. I mean, I remember the first one in the UK was Pop Idol, which was before American Idol. And yeah, the first one was great. Was it Gareth Gates? Someone can correct me, but I think it was Gareth Gates won it. This cute little 17-year-old, he was a great singer. He met, got really famous really quickly and it was cool. But then there's like another one, then another one, then there's The Voice, then there's American Idol, then there's... A, and it's, like, it's all the same stuff. And the, you, you realise there's so many talented people in the world, but they can't all be famous. That's it. And what do they become after that instant instant fame? Mm. And that, it doesn't really, really last, right? That's you it. see them so, doing like mall appearances. Yeah, and, and it's like very that. sad because... I mean, singing is singing. I, I love to sing in a bar, in a restaurant. I love to sing for two people, for 2,000 people. But at some point, you don't want to be a plant in a corner. You don't want to be just, um, and you don't want to be just a product, but that's what you are in our industry now. And you remind me, yes, I didn't know how to use YouTube because I could have put my album and videos on YouTube, but it was the beginning, the very beginning. And yeah, I didn't know how to use... No, not even. I, I'm not even trying. I think I gave everything I could give. It, it's going to sound a little bit sad, but I don't have the, I think I don't have the, the, the fire anymore. Oh, and even, yeah. I always feel a little bit emotional when I'm saying that. It's not sad. I made, uh, made my um, uh, day um, when you lose somebody. What is the word? Grieve. Yes, I made my grief of that. It's okay. I'm dealing, I'm, my career is different now and I like it and I'm very happy and uh, lucky to be able to do it, especially now when all my friends in Montreal, they are like dying. It's awful. I mean, Broadway is closed and it's going to open back in September. But Broadway has been closed for more than a year. I mean, the artistic industry is awful and, and I can still live uh, from my passion, but um, 
but I think I know how to play the game. I know I should use Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and put myself in uh, sceneries and da da da. But and sing and record myself and do faces and put filters and oh my god, I just don't want to do that. I just I just want to sing. I know it sounds naive because it's not possible anymore. You cannot just do that anymore. So what I do now is, and I love it, is I teach my passion as not, I will say it pretty naively again, as naked as I can, because it shouldn't be about uh, likes on Facebook and Instagram and followers and da, da, da. It should be about um, have confidence and just blossom and all my students, where they come, and I have teenager kids, teenager and adults, and I can see it brings a big difference in their lives, and it brought a big difference in my life too in my twenties. And uh, it's musicotherapy. That's why I said I'm a cheap therapist, because I'm cheaper than a therapist. Okay, I don't have the degree, but uh, I went to a therapist for seven years, so I can give some good advice. Uh, singing, dancing, painting, acting. Um, going on stage and performing, it's, 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 it's a therapy, therapy, I should say. And, and I'm happy to help people to do that because I think it's important. It, I know it's, it's nothing compared to a heart surgery doctor. Okay. We're just singing, but luckily we can sing and we can do something affordable to anybody to feel better. This season, we are proud to be partnered with and sponsored by Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. They are one of my favorite places to go in Saigon. You're always greeted with a big smile. You can get delivery from Eddie's. They are the delivery experts. So if you don't want to leave the house, hit them up on Facebook Messenger. They'll get back to you immediately. Or you can also get them on Grab as well. As I said, I've been going to Eddie's since they've opened three years ago. It is one of my go-to places in Saigon. So please check it out. And I understand what you mean about what you're saying is you, you've left that part behind. So when that way, you're saying about not putting it on YouTube or not being on Spotify and you've, you've kind of grieved for that part of your career, is that if I'm right in understanding? But I can appreciate that and understand how it's, it's kind of been and gone and it's com- compartmentalized and it's, you know, is that kind of like, am I understanding that right? Like you've, you feel like you've moved on from that part of your career and it's, it's what it is. And now it's you've moved on to something different, so it's it's still there, but it's not it's not present anymore. It's still there, yeah. It's still present. It present. It it depends. Ha! Oh, it really depends. If I have an opportunity, I will be like, yes, yes, thank you for giving me the, the opportunity to sing on stage and da da da. And then I will realize you, you you don't need to do that. I mean, I mean, I wish I could just sing and and live with the happiness and fresh water, but I. I need to be paid also sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes um, people ask me for gigs and I'm like, uh, uh. there is some gigs you do for the love, for the passion, and some gigs you will accept for the money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and sometimes it's just not enough money to say, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm sorry. Uh, no. And, and sometimes it's nothing. Or completely free, but you do it with musician you like, and because you miss 
the, the, the relation with your musician. It's been a long time since you didn't sing live with a musician. So you say, you know what? Yes. And actually I feel good with that. And I, I don't feel good when I'm asked for a super cheap price because they don't understand who they are. Um, who am I? It's not who am I in that way. No, but, but it's what your skill is. Yeah. I mean, I'm a professional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's uh, common with artists worldwide that, and this includes like photographers. One of the things that I often see is in different Facebook groups or whatnot. And it's a similar thing where someone will approach a photographer or I've seen a friend in the States, he's got a dance troupe and he posted a rant, I remember a few years ago, and he's like, don't ask me to do a show for exposure. Ah. Yeah, like that's a big thing, right? And photographers get it all the time as well. Like, can you want to come and shoot this thing and it'll be good exposure for you? And it's kind of known, I think, within a lot of people in the art world, if someone is offering you free exposure, it's they just want you to do something for free. And that exposure is not really, it was not going to pay the bills, right? Like that's what this rant was like. Your exposure is not going to like feed me. It's not going to pay for the gas to get to the 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 location, it's not gonna like pay my electricity bill, it's not gonna pay for the hours of rehearsal that has gone into this show. So it's similar, same as well with comedy. So I run comedy shows all over Saigon, all over Vietnam now actually. And it's a constant dialogue and I, I try my very best to work with the venues because I know they need to make money as well, but I try and make them understand that we need to be paid as well. So uh, for a lot of my, this is a discussion I have of, often now is uh, yeah, we, it, our art form needs to be paid for. Because I think, and this is, I think every artist from whatever walk of life would probably tell you, people think because it's your passion or your hobby that it, you should do it for free, which is again, one of these things like, so what, a nurse should work for free because she's passionate about helping people. So a, a doctor shouldn't be paid because they, they want to help save your life. Like, it makes no sense that you think because someone it's someone's passion or art that they don't deserve to be paid for. And like you say, you're you're not bigging yourself up like, look who I am. You have a trained profession that has a value. And if someone's going to give you a, an offer to perform that's undervalued, then you're well within your right to say, oh, thanks, but no thanks. I prefer them to be frank. Like, you know what? We would love, you, we would love to have you, but we don't have that. Just to be frank. and Because, yes, I can say yes. It just... This whole game, not only in Ho Chi Minh City or in, in Vietnam, but this, this whole game of, you're just singing. Come on, I'm going to give you free drinks. But I don't drink. <laughs> no, okay, you have a free meal, but I'm allergic to everything on your menu. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we need to pay everything. And about the photographer guy. And the gear, what about the gear? Okay, you want a good photo shoot? So do you think I'm going to take a picture with my iPhone? No, I'm bringing everything. So, they, yeah, they, they don't know. And, uh, it's, and that's why I said I grieved. I'm, I, I'm over it, but I'm not over it. Um, I think it will never leave me. When I say I'm over it, I know I'm not going to be in the next Celine Dion. <laughs> this, I understood it pretty. I mean, do you know who Susan Boyle is? Oui, yes. Susan Boyle got famous and she was... Probably a lot older than you. Yeah, sure. So you never know. You never know. know. But she did go on a talent show, to That's be honest. It. She did go there. <laughs> so maybe at one point, we're going to see you in 10 years and Sophie Hoffman on Instagram, TikTok, on the Vietnam Voice. Maybe. Super famous. Maybe. It could be an accident. But wait, So let's then extrapolate that. Would you think that could be a possibility? Because you never know, like... 
even for me as a comedian, I don't think, and I'm not really planning to be a famous comedian, but I look at someone like Ricky Gervais. He didn't mm. start stand-up till he was 38, which is the same age as me. Um, so there's no real like limit like on what, what, especially with comedy, it's not like a sport, so you can do it when you're older. So, you know, there's still time for... I don't want to be famous. I guess successful would be if I could be a successful comedian or podcast host. That would be that would be good. That would be a good measure. But for you, then, do you think could you see yourself say in ten years' time that you get seduced by the dark side and suddenly a friend says to you, "Hey, Anne Sophie, I really want you to be on the Vietnam Voice. We think you'd be amazing, but you're going to have to share some of your personal story and you need to get an Instagram and maybe we're going to get a TikTok, but you're going to get a record deal." What yes, do you do? <laughs> why not? Because now I'm not in my 20s anymore. Uh, I'm 36, I'm married. Uh, I'm not just a singer. That's, again, I'm getting emotional when I said that because I remember the day I said to my therapist, and I'm going to take my therapist's voice, uh, when I don't sing, what am I? I'm nothing. I'm just a singer. I'm nothing. And and I was single at that time. And uh, and. And sometimes I, I still saying to myself, and especially with that last year, when I lost all my gigs and I lost my relationship with my musician and on the musician all over the world, I was not in a, I, I was not in trouble. My husband is working. We're good. But I was suffering for all those artists all around the world because it's visceral. You know? I mean, it's something physical and, uh, and. I would live it differently now because I know I'm not just a singer and I'm not 20 anymore and I maybe I will have more distance. And telling my story, I think, in Vietnam would be different than telling my story in Canada and France because my parents won't watch the the Vietnamese TV. <laughs> no, but you... But because so you, you would do the Vietnam voice, <laughs> but not the Canadian voice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think also, you know, in Canada and in France, what can I bring? I'm tall, I'm blonde, I'm blue eyes. I have a good voice, a strong voice. I'm a good interpret. But so, so all the girls around me in the, in the audition room in Vietnam, I'm clearly different. <laughs> so it's, and it's playing in my favor since we've been here. Of course, they, they want the blonde one. They want the tall one. Recently, I've been told I was too old. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so you blonde. You never want to hear that. You never want to hear no, that. No, <laughs> blonde and, and blue eyes is not enough anymore. Oh, la, la. Um, so yes, m- maybe. You would be seduced by the dark side then. Everyone's got, mm. a, everyone's got a limit. I think maybe not seduced, <laughs> but maybe. Okay, let's give another try. You won't die of it. And yeah, why not? I don't think seduce because I know I will need somebody to take care of on this sh- Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you need to hire Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Instagram, Tiki TikTok. I got onto Instagram late. I've only just started, I started a 7 million bikes Facebook immediately and didn't really do an Instagram for a while. But now I'm getting into it and I quite enjoy it. And there actually is more, get more of a reaction on Instagram. And then I thought about TikTok and a couple of people suggested it. And then I was like, no, I'm not doing TikTok. Because then I found out just a couple of weeks ago, the age, the target audience or the people, the age of the people who use TikTok are aged like 12 to 16 or something like that. And I was like, that's not my target audience. So I'm not, I'm not going to use TikTok. Yeah. 
But yesterday I watched something pretty funny on TikTok uh, <laughs> because my husband is on TikTok. Do you t- have TikTok? No, my husband is on TikTok. Actually, he creates an account and he told me I'm going to handle it. Yeah, I'm going to do video of you. That's how it works here. You need a TikTok. And, and I was like, no, no, no. So he put it on my phone. So now I have some notification of, I don't know what. I You're never already being seduced by the dark side. Go on. No, no, no. My husband did it. And he called me, he called me, uh, Anne-Sophie, the singer of Saigon. He's like, the, the more boring name. I was like, okay. Because Cassie-Sophie was Cassie's singer, was already taken or whatever. So anyway, he sends me sometimes a TikTok video. And what I like on TikTok is on the animals video because I love dogs. So that's my, that's my drug on if I go on Instagram because I have an Instagram. Because I, at some point I, I, I tried like two years and a half ago and I was just bleh after 24 hours. So if you see on my Instagram, there is four pictures from two years and a half ago. There is nothing. But I keep, I, I take my account because my very good friend, she has, she, she is very, she is on Instagram and active. she's very active. And I wanted to listen to her story and to know what she was talking about to be interested in what she was doing. So I use Instagram just to look at her, some nail and nail things and uh, and dogs. And, and dogs. Yeah, <laughs> That's I mean, my happy place, that the dogs. I mean, so, we, you know, we have a dog as well. That's how we met. And um, so we have a French bulldog. And even to this day, my wife's Facebook, if I ever look over her shoulder, is just filled with French bulldogs and dogs. And so even though we have a French bulldog who sometimes is sitting next to her... We need to see more. She's still looking at dogs on Instagram or Facebook. It's insane. My husband said, oh, you, you do your puppy porn. <laughs> puppy porn. So I watch a lot of puppy porn. I'm not, I don't think I've heard that phrase before. <laughs> you can you use go. it. You yeah. can use it. Yeah, I watch a lot of puppy porn. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how I can end a life. Uh, yeah, I'm... I know I'm not too horned for this <laughs> social media because my husband is on it. He's way older than me. <laughs> but uh, I, have, I have a thing with fakeness. Can we say fakeness is a word? And, and I think we are living in a fake world. Mm. And it, it's not just with my... Yeah, it's, it's not who I am. I'm singing my emotion, I'm singing my happiness, my sadness, my uh, angriness, everything. And that's what I teach. And that's what I've been doing for years. And maybe I'm wrong. It's clear I'm wrong. I should have taken the other path, the fake path, and played the game like everybody. Maybe I would have been successful or whatever. It's just not who I am. So that's why I can... I may agree with that part and because I, I cannot handle it. I will be miserable. I will have to take uh, Xanax and uh, Zoloft and Prozac every day and a mix of everything to to just playing that role that is not for me. Mm. No, I'm on social media, but I, I don't think I'm very good at it. I don't, I don't have like a massive following. But I do, my, the 7 Million Bikes Facebook recently went over a thousand followers, which was a big benchmark, but it's still not that many. But um, which I, I read recently in the marketing world that, that you could, you're a nano influencer, which means nothing. I mean, you don't need, it's not like you're, you're getting anything for that. But I was talking about this just recently with my wife. So, you know, I've been doing this podcast two years now. I've been doing comedy for nearly two years. And it's all been largely positive. 
um, and recently did a, a YouTube video with Nimai and I, I, I looked at it the other day and there were all these comments. So I just automatically read the comments on her YouTube video of an interview with me. And again, everything was positive, all really nice. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. But then I realized, and this is what I was talking to my wife about, I'm not mentally prepared yet for like a backlash, you know? And I remember thinking about it two years when I started being like, okay, you're about to do something that puts you out in the public, whether it's 10 people or 100 people. Um, are you going to be okay with like dealing with that? And so luckily, as I said, it's all been largely positive, haven't had to deal with that. But that's, and I said to my wife, maybe I shouldn't do that. And maybe I just read the comments. I'm like, oh yeah, and it's all good. But maybe I just shouldn't because that one time where it's going to be maybe something negative or somebody says something bad. I And as you maybe know as well, and I hate to call myself a performer or a creative person, but I guess I am. That's what I've developed into. I never thought of myself like that. And you see people like that and you think, well, you must be so confident because you can go up on stage or you can be an actor or whatever. But they're very well known that people who are in those roles have very thin skins. Now, I don't think I've got a thin skin, but I'm a sensitive soul. So if, like I said, it hasn't happened yet, but if I was to get that one negative comment, like I would be distraught. I would be like not able to concentrate. I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like I'd get over it, but it would it would really emotionally and physically affect me. So I was saying to my wife, and this, again, this just happened last week. I was like, I think maybe if, if these, if anything like that, again, whether it's a YouTube video or the podcast doesn't have comments, but anyone could send a message. And please do, if you want to say something nice, send a message. But I, th- I was like, maybe I just shouldn't read the comments then if mm-hmm. I do something like that, because, and then just, just don't worry about it. Because you don't need the, you also don't need the positive to feed your narcissism or your ego to be like, oh, look at all these amazingly nice things. Like, just do what you do. Like you say, be authentic. Don't worry about what people are saying, positive or negative. So that's something for me. So I, And I think that ties into what you're saying about not being on social media. As soon as you do put yourself out there, then that you're exposing yourself and opening yourself to that, which is terrifying. Yes. And we said at the beginning, we were bullied. Mm, oh, yeah. So it's a trigger. Yeah. It's a big trigger. Mm. And I was sick for more than 10 years because of the reason I was bullied. And then I'm... I turned this into a disease. I just don't want to go back there. Mm. So I'm, and you you see your podcast is on Facebook, but not you. I know your podcast, mm. it's you. I know it's you, I yeah. understand. But still people, when you see, when, when you read bad comments or good comments, you will make a different, a slight difference between uh, the podcast and for the page and you. Mm. And in my case, it's me with my face, with my wrinkles, with my weight, with everything. So it's something I have to deal with in the mirror every day. And, and that's why I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to play with that because it just, it's too dangerous for mm. me. I don't want to go again in, in, uh, through my twenties. <laughs> I mean, no, so, but yes, that's a big risk. So now I just need to find a good, a good balance with that. But uh, I'm always happy because it means I'm going to sing with my pianist and uh, they are so good. I mean, for my musician, they are so, for my musician, they're not mine, but yeah. they're so good and I miss them. And there is a complicity that you cannot have just singing in your room with your karaoke. And yeah. What are your thoughts on the karaoke machines on the street corner? Have you ever oh, joined in? It's just noise. <laughs> 
I don't get it. I just don't understand when you walk by either a home or someone on the corner here in Vietnam and they're just wailing. I'm like, how is this enjoyable to you? How is it enjoyable to anyone else? Like, I'm a terrible singer. And when I sing along to some of my favorite songs, I hear myself and I will stop because I'm like, this is so bad. Like, I am so terrible. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't care if people are terrible singers. The most important is, is if, do they like it? Do they feel good when they sing? What is bothering me a lot is they don't know how to use a microphone yeah, or a karaoke machine. Yeah. The reverb. The reverb. Oh, my God. So I'll tell you the biggest problem. Not problem. This is so sorry to cut you off there. Talking about the biggest problem, if anyone who doesn't live in Vietnam in the karaoke machines here, we people love karaoke. They have their own personal karaoke machine. They play it in their homes on the street corner. They have the sound up to maximum, but they also have the reverb, the echo up to maximum. Now, every single comedy show I do, the first thing I have to do is check the reverb because it's always up to maximum. And I do I go to like some nice venues, so it's not like people are doing karaoke there, but someone must be doing something because every time the reverb is up to maximum. And then I spent sometimes the last gig we did, I spent five minutes trying to find the correct because it was like two reverb knobs. And so I was like, why is this still echoing? I've got this at zero and then we found the other one eventually. It's insane, right? Completely. And you know what? When I do big events like huge event uh, for TV and da, they da, don't da. still have the reverb up there. Yes, no. they don't know how to use it. And you, you're like, it's okay, so my salary is that price. It's good. Yeah. The, the gear in the room, it's approximately this budget. The lights, the screen, the yeah. how many hostess we have. That, that, it's not cheap. But the it's reverb a, is hard And they don't know. And you think they're going to send an uh, engineer, you know, sign engineer. To, no, 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 no. I don't know who they send. The, <laughs> the driver, the delivery guy. I don't know. And it's like, is it okay? No, too much reverb. <laughs> and then... Is it okay? It's the same. And then we finally get to the point, oh, it's perfect. Thank you. And we, okay, sound check is over. Let and when so I come, come on stage, ah, and I'm singing with myself, we're doing a trio. You know, there is free hands of singing because the, the sound is just bouncing yeah. everywhere. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, we had a show again last month and it was, we, I, I think I hadn't checked it properly. So I went up on stage and I did my set and I could, and it was, the echo was up and it was so off-putting because I'm trying to do my jokes and talk and at the same time I can hear my voice bouncing back to me. So yeah, it's terrible. Now, we're going to move on now to that because we could talk all day and I'm really enjoying this, but um, we'll move on to the final questions of the, the podcast. But before we do that, this season is sponsored by Eddie's New York Deli and Diner, which I was there this week and your face lit up there. Now, I have it on good authority that you like their pancakes. I love I don't want to. I don't want to say no, but I'm allergic to dairy products, so I don't like. I like pancakes, but I cannot have them. But my husband, as your husband, my husband. When I told him that I was going to be interviewing you for the podcast, he said, "Oh, she loves our pancakes, but it's not you. It's your husband. It's Yan." I love the place because when we discovered it, it was few weeks or months after we arrived, and it was just like the yeah, I'm the diner in Montreal. And the American diner, like, uh, uh, will, yeah. And after coming in Vietnam, uh, sorry, before coming in Vietnam, we spent three months and a half in France. It was tough. And then 
that we, we really needed uh, American culture fix because France and then Vietnam flagged the cultural shock, the slap in the face, and then head is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was good. Um, I'm I'm really sad I cannot have the meal check. I cannot have half of the menu because of my allergies. But we like to go there and the owner is super friendly with a ultra bright smile. He's from California and is really... Uh, from Minnesota? Minnesota, Minnesota. but he, he used to live in California, oh, okay. right? No? Maybe, I don't Am know. Am I mistaken? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, yeah, we'll find, we, we have to I'll go back. I'll message him right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, he's very welcoming. And he hired me to sing uh, for a special dinner also. So he gave me my chance, oh, my opportunity. Top, what's it called again? Table chef. Table, table chef, chef. That's not table yeah. top, table chef. Yeah, that's yeah right. so that was nice to him. To yeah, give no, me. we're very lucky to have them. They're sponsoring season six. And uh, it is one of my favorite places to go to. I'm not being paid to say that. I, I go there often. What is your favorite thing to order then? If it Because you can't, the menu is so massive, so... Hopefully yes. they've got something for you. Uh, yes, I often have the um, salmon in a... Um, how, how do they call that? Not the Gravlax salmon, but it's like the English muffin. Oh, that don't have, locks? Oui, that, yeah, the locks. Uh, so they don't put the sour cream and they will do something a bit special to not let the, the, the bun too dry. So they will remove all the butter. And sometimes I ask uh, for an omelette. And sometimes, you know, they put milk in the preparation to make it a bit fluffy. And they do a special <laughs> oh. omelette for me on the side. So I like a lot of things there. And the Shelley's menu, the vegetarian menu, the, the I cannot have the burger because of the bun, but they make me a burger with the lettuce. So no 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 bun, but the, I can have the patty, the vegetarian patty in in, in the lettuce. A lettuce wrap, yeah, that yeah. sounds pretty nice. So I can actually, have yeah. twice French fries because <laughs> I didn't have the bread. Awesome, folks. So make sure you check out Eddie's if you're in Saigon. We are obviously um, at the moment in a going into a bit of a lockdown situation here in Saigon. Um, so if you do need delivery, they are on point with their delivery service. They are the delivery experts. So um, check them out on Facebook, deliver order direct, but you can also get them on Grab as well. So check them out. So we're going to move on to the final questions of the podcast. I ask these same questions of every guest on season six. Now, I have to make a correction because for several episodes for a while now, I, well, since the beginning of season five, obviously... I don't know if you know. Do you know why the podcast is called Seven Million Bikes? Because there is more than seven million bikes. There you go. Now there is maybe eleven. I think eight and a half. The last eight and a half. Yeah, okay. yeah. So when I started, yeah, there was over seven. I still, it's one. I love it when people ask me. I get asked all the time at comedy shows, and when I meet people, like, why is it called Seven Million Bikes? It's always a good conversation. <laughs> But then we've expanded now to become a Vietnam podcast. We used to be called a Saigon podcast. So I looked up the numbers for the amount of motorbikes in Vietnam. And I'd been quoting that there was 45 million motorbikes in Vietnam, which is one of the highest in the world. Now, I run a quiz night as well. And last night I made this one of the quiz questions. So I looked into it to make sure I got the answer correct. I was wildly off. Since that quote of 45 million, which was in... I think 2017, mm -hmm. they have been selling on average 8,300 motorbikes per day in Vietnam. So the last statistics I could find was from the end of 2019. Guess how many motorbikes are in the whole of Vietnam at the moment? Registered motorbikes. 
Oh, where'd you say? Yeah, that? Yeah, that's the official statistic. No, I don't know. One hundred. One. I. I don't know. Tell me. Sixty-three million. <laughs> For a population of 90, it's the fourth highest motorbike ownership in the world. It's crazy. Yeah, and we see it on the street. Yeah. But this question sort of changed it uh, because now as Vietnam's wealth is growing, which as we've talked about, in little France, there is a lot of wealth there. And you see some ridiculous cars. And the example I've been giving is the bedazzled Mercedes that I saw, which blew my mind. Um, and it's mixed bag. Some guests I've interviewed already like it. Some people are as aghast as me, but... For you, what's the, the most, I don't want to say disgusting, but what's the craziest car you've seen here in Saigon? I saw the the picture you post. I was like, oh my God, okay, it's the winner. It's the winner. I have down, yeah, in, in my neighborhood, a Mercedes uh, pink, like really swing gun pink, like a... Barbie pink. Yeah, Barbie pink with golden, uh, how do we say, uh, wheel caps. Hubcaps. Mm. And uh, <laughs> and the, the woman going out of it, uh, it it was pretty low. The, the car was pretty low, and it was a bit hard for her to get out of it. Also, because the dress was maybe too too tight and the high heel. It, it it was it was Barbie, Barbie and her car. So it's pretty funny. I don't understand. Yeah, it's another culture. Yeah, <laughs> cultural difference. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's another cultural difference. Have you tried durian? No, uh, um, it's okay. You, you know that this sweet square bonbon uh, candies from the Mekong? Okay, so oh, the coconut candies. Yeah, coconut yeah, candies, like and there is some durian flavor. I've okay. tried it. Yeah. It's okay, but the fruit, no way. Uh, last time, last day, I was swimming under the water, out, under, out, and somebody was eating durian on the balcony, and I was like, oh. Shoot. So I did all my laps under the water just once, <laughs> once in a while I was breathing. But I, I was, no, 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 no. Nearly kill yourself, nearly drown yourself. Just because so you of don't have to smell Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is yes. that pungent. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I've got a video. Maybe I'll post that. I've got a video of me trying it for the first time and I like spit it oh, out. It's, it's impossible. Yeah, I can't do it. All right. So uh, moving on. What is, we're talking about cultural differences, what's something that happens in Vietnam that would be looked at strangely in your home country or, or another country? So many things. First, and it's not original, I know, but is uh, being, being five on a motorbike, okay, but being five or four with a newborn baby, you know, with the head still soft, the fontanelle, I don't know in English, yeah. the, the head, st- yeah, still soft. You can do, okay, you can, you can. I no, guess it can break when it falls. It, it's bad. It's bad. Uh, you don't do that. Do you find that you, how long have you been in Vietnam? Two years and a half. Yeah. So do you find the longer you're here, those things that seeing a newborn baby on a bike, which again, for anyone who's listening that's not in Vietnam, this is a normal occurrence that you see almost on a daily basis is a family of three, four or five on one small, and it's not a motorbike, it's a scooter, on a scooter with a newborn baby. Do you find that the longer you're here, when you see things like that, it doesn't phase you? You don't, you're just like, oh yeah, that's normal. Yes. It's not, it's not normal. It's dangerous, but it's normal here. Yeah, and you so do sometimes I like... Now I, you see things, we see things and we're like, but just, okay. It's yeah, you're not as shocked, right? No, 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 no. I'm not as shocked before. And I'm repeating to myself a lot. Uh, 
every day. It's Vietnam. It's Vietnam. It's Vietnam. <laughs> sometimes it's just I'm smiling and sometimes I'm so jaded. I'm like, oh my God, this country. But I'm happy to live here. We're lucky. And but this is yes. this is what everyone feels, I think, and maybe even local people as well who've lived here their whole life and born here. There's this dichotomy of like, it's crazy, but it's amazing. It's crazy, but it's amazing. And for anyone who's ever visited here or for all the people listening who live here, we all know how this feels. There's this thing about Vietnam. There's this energy and it's amazing. And so we don't want to make fun of Vietnam. But there are so many things that happen here that do happen in other countries. I know it's not only Vietnam. I know if people tell me you go to India and things like that, you'll see equally crazy things. So it's not just Vietnam. But there are a lot of things that go on here, like a newborn baby on a bike. And you're like... But then there's also, you know, I always try and look at things from different perspectives. And at the same time, well, this family can't afford to get a taxi home. It's basically what it is, right? I mean, if that family could afford a car with protective gear around them, if they could afford to pay for a taxi even. So, like, I know I don't want to be sound like an asshole and I'm making fun of people. I do understand that if they're on a bike with a newborn baby, it's probably because they can't afford to get a taxi. But at the same time, maybe I'm being too nice because I think then maybe... Maybe they can. I don't know. Same. Uh, we are in a develop, developing developing country, and and there is a lot of uh, poverty. Yes, and um, so yes, we have to remember that every day because we are not living in poor apartments. We are not eating every day in the street for ten k. We are etc. We see it and sometimes we can forget it. So it's good to remember that maybe they cannot afford. But also, yes, 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 they can afford and it's just their habit and it just, it, it goes faster. And uh, yeah, and you can go the wrong direction on the, on the highway and etc. etc. So it's a mix. Mm. So conversely then, cultural differences, which happen all over. What is something that happens in your home country that would be looked at strangely in Vietnam? Again, many things, because <laughs> we are not better than others. It's just cultural differences. The weather. So in winter, so no, we don't go in Canada, we don't go to school with the with the dogs and, and the sleigh. Okay? We don't do that. We don't we don't go to school with uh, a skidoo. <laughs> we do that. They do that in, not in Montreal, not in big cities, but yes, they do that in uh, suburbs. And uh, uh, what we do that could be really weird, we walk on frozen lake and we ski and we skidoo on, it's the motorbike on the on, on the on the snow, you know, the ski-do. Uh, it's like ski-do, but it's ski-do because they have skis. And, and you, you take this big machine and you, you know what I mean. I, maybe like I a, like a, what do you call it? Like a jet ski. But it's for snow. For snow, I know what you mean. Yeah. And, so it's like the skis on mm -hmm. the front. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, we use they call it, them a ski-do. Oh, yes, ski-do. Okay. Okay. And we use it on frozen lake, yeah. big, big frozen lake. And sometimes we're crazy like that. We're going to take a, a, a tour to cut a hole on the lake. We are still standing on the lake. And we're going to fish under the frozen lake, under the ice. And, uh, and that's it. It's, it's a bit crazy for people from Asia. Yeah. They have never seen uh, snow. 
or eyes and you're like, yes, that's us with a lot of clothes. Uh, some kind of clothes you wear when it's 10 degrees outside, but for <laughs> us, it's when it's minus 30. And, uh, and we, we, yeah, we fish under the, the ice. I think it's something, what? Uh, Unbelievable. Well, there was a good answer to this question from Mika Chu, who is French-Russian. And the thing that would be considered strange is la bise. Ah, oui, sure. Because you imagine if you, she, she made the point, I thought it was great. Imagine if you showed up in Vietnam and you just gave someone the kiss on each cheek they'd be like what are you doing mm. so that's us because vietnamese people are really tactile they, they touch you all the time oh we so we had the discussion that we think it's the opposite huh? yeah i feel like that not so much i've been touched a lot you've been touched uh, a lot yeah. i don't get touched very much but now i'm i'm a bit tan but at the beginning i was super white uh, so i was touching a lot and a lot of pictures and etc I've, I've heard people have these experiences. Uh, I have a lot of black friends that have had these experiences oh, yes. more so. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty pasty white, but I don't really get I've never never been asked for pictures or touched very much. Which mm, is, don't um, take it personally. No, I won't take it personally. <laughs> now we'll move on to the very last question is what advice would you give to yourself before you came to Vietnam? I know it sounds like, duh. <laughs> we came to live in a very different country and this country is not the same one you live in that 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 the one you you visited when you're a tourist you have stars in your eyes and everything is wow wow it's, you see it's so different it's crazy they drive with babies on a motorbike wow oh and all the smells oh that and when you leave it's like oh my god and it's so hot and humid so it's like, you didn't make the difference between visiting and living? No, I didn't. So, yeah, it was a bit of a shock at the beginning. Like, oh, my God. I love that. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, because I, I came as a tourist, first of all. And then when you live here, yeah. It's, it's different, totally yeah. Different. So what would your advice be to yourself? Um, don't be naive. <laughs> it's always the, the advice. No, the advice is... Hmm. Try to adapt and understand. Don't try to fight. Don't try to fight. So any other advice you would give yourself? Yeah, bring maple syrup. Because here it's American maple syrup. It's not good. It's uh, for the French listener. It's jus de poteau. It's like a pole juice. <laughs> so it's not from the from the tree. <laughs> yeah, it just... Uh, no. Oh, because real maple syrup is super expensive, right? Because oh. it's, it's from the tree... Whereas the American stuff is, is like maple American flavored. stuff is from maple flavored, yeah, from uh, yeah, from uh, not from the tree. And the one we find in Anam, uh, Joe maple syrup, no, 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 no. Okay, that's the trick. If you really need a fix, but we we came with some cane. I know we have before the pandemic. Oh, before the pandemic, we have. You some remember that before the yeah, pandemic? Yeah, we so had some ago. friends from Canada visiting, and they brought two canes of maple syrup, and we went to Hedy's with our maple syrup. <laughs> you took your own maple syrup? It's the most Canadian thing I've That's ever it. heard. And they, they ask us, do you want maple syrup? We said, no, no. No, no. <laughs> we have ours. It's the most arrogant French Canadian thing ever. No, no. No, no. We have our own maple we syrup. We have the, the real deal. <laughs> All right. So we're going to finish up. Thank you so, so much. This has been so much fun. I've had a blast. Um I have one question to ask. One of the things I saw on your Facebook 
video, which I was very impressed with, was your vib vibrato singing. Am I saying that properly? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you give us an example of that? Just like this, it's going to be, it's not going to be nice. Just a vibrato? Go on, yeah. Okay. yeah. Or you can give us any example of your singing, because I've heard you on YouTube, and uh, not YouTube, because you're not on YouTube. I've heard you on Facebook singing. No, I have a YouTube channel. Well, you do. You're obviously trained. You are an unbelievable singer. So give us an example. Thank you. my love, come along, a lot of vibrato. My home's over. I don't, oh my God, I'm intimidated. I'm, I'm shy. Ah. I swear. <laughs> and love is like a song. Oh, at last. Awesome. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. And last of all, sorry, before we go, tell people where can they get in touch with you? How can they hire you if they want a vocal teacher or a cheap therapist? <laughs> Let's qualify that though. She's not an actual therapist, but teaching you singing is a form of therapy. So if you want that, if they want to see you perform, how can they follow you? They can follow me on Facebook. I know it's for old people, but they're not going to find anything on Instagram. So Facebook, my name is Anne-Sophie Hoffman. And I, I think you're going to recognize me. I'm the blonde, tall girl. <laughs> and I have two pages. The personal one is Anne-Sophie Hoffman. You can reach me there. And also Anne-Sophie Hoffman, singer and vocal coach. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll look out for you on TikTok soon. My husband, maybe. Maybe the dogs. The dogs before me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Season 6 is sponsored by our good friends over at Eddie's New York Deli and Diner. If you are in Saigon, then make sure you go check them out. Tell them that 7 million bikes sent you in D1, D2 and the Takashimaya Mall until June 7th. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Don't forget to subscribe from wherever you're listening from right now. Turn on the notifications as well so you never miss an episode. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you go back through. We've got five seasons of amazing guests that you can listen to their stories as well. Please get in touch. I always love to hear from our listeners. It's one of the best things when I wake up in the morning and I open up Instagram or Facebook and I've had a message from someone telling me that they've been listening from America or Australia or anywhere in the world. So please let me know where you're listening from or Vietnam as well, obviously. Um, I always love to hear from people. If you do enjoy this content, you can support 7 Million Bikes of Vietnam podcast on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You can become a member of a Vietnam podcast and get access to exclusive member benefits like free tickets to comedy shows or even a free 7 Million Bikes t-shirt as well. So check that out in the show notes, as I said. And you can also buy me a coffee or a beer if you want on coffee.com. So make sure you check that out. So thanks again for listening. Really hope you enjoy season six and you can stay tuned for the future episodes. Cheers. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. 
It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.